0: Hey Matt! Hello. Hey Matt, how are you? How I'm good. How are you? Love the little screensaver with the from the from death. That was great. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so going? So uh, we're meeting today. I thought we we could um, start with a little quick intros, but essentially, I'm assuming this is a historical exchange. We're going to assume that the audience already. Is familiar with uh, geroscience uh, and/or a more sophisticated longevity medicine enthusiast. So, um, without further ado, uh, Matt, can you give me a little quick, super-like intro of the major hats you're wearing now? Since people know <laughs> the hats, but the ma- the hats that you're 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 removing or you're keeping partially on um let's start there
1: sure um I guess I would say you know certainly for the last 20 plus years I have been you know passionately interested in longevity science and in all of its forms and I I think I believe fundamentally that the discoveries that are coming out of geroscience um will have an outsized impact on the quality and quantity of life for hopefully Millions, hundreds of millions of people, and also companion animals. And so everything I've been doing in my academic career uh, was geared towards that. And then more recently, I have transitioned out of academia into the private sector, but still with that sort of mission uh, and goal in mind. So I am currently the CEO of a company called OptiSpan, which is a a startup uh, company in the healthcare sector. We just recently closed our seed round. And I would say our goal at OptiSpan is really to create tools that will enable uh, a transition from what I would call 20th century reactive disease care towards what will hopefully be 21st century proactive healthcare. We certainly don't Anticipate that we're going to solve all of the challenges there, but we want to be part of part of the process that enables that that transition. Um, and then I'm also uh, chair of the board and intimately involved in a company that we spun out of my lab at the University of Washington called Aura Biomedical, which actually is is almost at the other end of the uh, spectrum in terms of enabling uh, advances in geroscience. Really, Aura is about creating what I would call massively high throughput longevity drug or intervention discovery. Um, And we can talk more about why I think that's important, but those those two things, those two things are are uh, are are things that I'm I'm spending a lot of my time and energy on because I believe that they are fundamentally important. And then I still have an important leadership role in the dog aging project, which we may talk about uh, as well. Which is a large longitudinal study of aging in companion dogs or pet dogs. Um, Now, over 47,000 dogs and their owners enrolled in that study. Um, And one piece of that is a, a large double blind randomized placebo controlled clinical trial of rapamycin to really try to answer the question of whether rapamycin can increase lifespan, slow functional declines, improve health span metrics in companion dogs. Um so between those three things that takes up I don't know maybe 75% of my available uh, energy that I can put towards longevity and then or maybe you know, 25%. <laughs> 25% is spread around other other various things that I uh that I'm doing. But um but it's a lot of fun and I'm 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 you know fortunately I think I gain energy from doing these things as opposed to to lose energy
0: when you know you're on the right track, it's kind of like playing a game where you're getting closer. And this is a remarkable time to be a geroscientist, less to Fall. You missed a couple of your titles, uh uh Thought Leader, Leader Extraordinaire, and uh, of course rock star uh in biogerontology. Uh, you have you know a, a passion for music that uh, you've gone into. Before. <laughs> I won't reiterate that. But yeah, it's going to be really a. Uh, I, I hope to make this a bit of a trailblazing podcast to cover different ground. But uh, I I think one of the things that makes this different is this is a more personal because it assumes that many of the listeners are already aware of your background, aware of a lot of the research. So um, before we uh, we go into the uh, our ambitious agenda for today i uh, just pausing a little bit on a, a, a personal side. It was like, a lo- uh, there are many academics that have followed you for years. You've gone through, you know, dating from Lenny Garanti and having his, his uh, peers. Can you describe the process of your realization that you wanted to go into industry? I remember you're alluding to it, like in, I was watching one of your talks or seeing you at a talk and you were saying, all my friends are starting companies. And I'm thinking, <laughs> I'm the only one who's not starting a company, and that's now no longer the case.
1: Yeah, so I, I would say for me, and again, I think everybody's path obviously is 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 their own. Um, for me, I think I really started to make a realization that uh, that I was um, becoming a little bit burnt out in academia. This was this was pre-pandemic, so it was pretty close to to when it was probably 20. 19 i guess um and i was at a conference and i i was just looking around the room you know as happens in in relatively small fields you've heard about half the talks already so i'm sort of half paying attention to the talks looking around the room and i start you know thinking to myself as i see some of my senior colleagues who are you know maybe 10 15 years senior to me and, and i'm looking at them and i just ask myself you know do i want to be them 15 years from now and the answer was clearly no uh and so that really was my first indication that maybe I should be open to alternative paths and i think um and so i just i i didn't go looking for uh, other opportunities but i became open to to other opportunities and took a look at a, at a couple that that really weren't a great fit and then found one that was Um, But I think, you know, now that I'm out of academia, so so I officially left my position at University of Washington in March of this year. Um, And now that I've been out for a while, I can look back and just see that I I honestly was was burnt out. And I think there are many reasons that played into that. Um, You know, one of them is I personally just struggle with bureaucracies and inefficiencies, and I think I uh became enmeshed in a lot of leadership positions in academia that were very bureaucratic and that kind of you know I thought, I mentioned just a minute ago about how I become energized by working on things that I'm passionate about um that I think are important it's the opposite for me when I when I'm spending a lot of my time doing things that I don't feel are making a contribution and I just feel I I can look back now and see that I was spending a lot of my time you know on busy work or what I would at least uh uh consider to be busy work that wasn't productive and so it was really draining the energy from me so again i'm not going to be one of those people who bashes academia obviously i spent two decades of my life in academia there's a lot of important good uh things that happen in academia i i will say uh, from my perspective there has been uh an increasing trend in academia towards um you know, more administrative oversight and busy work, which I think is detracting from the impact that academic research can have. Um, And that certainly was my experience. And I think that just, it just became, you know, something that was not a a positive environment for me. And so I feel very fortunate that I was able to move into uh, a new opportunity that I am very excited and energized about.
0: Uh, It's, um, I can relate very much to your your story. I, it's a kind of cognitive rejuvenation and an emotional rejuvenation when you. Yeah. I mean, what's the secret to youth? It's being young, and what is it being young? It means play, creativity, being ambitious, taking on new challenges, letting those challenges grow, uh, change you to more of the type of person that you could be. Something you're a, a version of yourself and a version of meaning of purpose. When you're down one path, you kind of know where that path leads. And by taking the road less traveled, whole new worlds are open to you. So my my epiphany coming uh, almost at the same time as for you, it was, it was just a little bit after that. It was uh, the very beginning of August. It was August 2nd. It was my 49th perth- birthday. And that spawned uh, Secret Project 49, which is actually still secret this is one reason <laughs> this is a part of this this podcast is part of history also because we're going to be discussing some uh unpublished uh uh research not yours you're like what What unpublished research are we like? <laughs> uh unpublished man you know and, and maybe we'll stay that way i i really uh deliberated with myself whether or not to show this but i think it's going to help move the field forward but um my my epiphany was basically Uh, I could make some contribution just being anonymous and enjoy my life in silos, but I'm always going to be kicking myself and asking, well, what if, what if I, you know, it's with no small amount of vulnerability that you allow that aspect of yourself to manifest, but that's that's what is bringing us both here, and what will be bringing new technologies from your humble beginnings. Actually, not so humble <laughs> um, with high high throughput. Well, well, it wasn't the same high throughput, but you were doing everything manually then. Maybe that humbling experience of looking at yeast lifespan studies, and actually the, the whole <laughs> Aura pathway, which was developed, uh, you know, in, in your lab, and, and now yeah. is, is Aura <clears throat> collaborating with with Wormbot, comes from the concept of we could look more broadly. And uh, I'm just to make, uh, I'm gonna circle us right back to the Million Molecule uh, Project at the very end. It'll be a great closing.